the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a journey back in time. We go back and look at the finer days of the World Wrestling Federation's New Generation era. And of course, this week it's no different as we start the three, two, one countdown. A look at the top moments of the new generation as independently polled by your old buddy, the Chadster. And this week we go back and look at some of these top moments. There are moments you might have heard about us talking uh, in reference to on this show. There's moments that we might not have gotten to yet that are really starting to kind of uh, toggle the old uh, brainwaves here to maybe let's start moving in that direction. Uh, but nonetheless, the three, two, one countdown, uh, an idea I came up with uh, just trying to think of some cool content to engage everybody. Of course, if you're listening to this, we would love to hear your three, two, one countdown, drop it in the, uh, the comments under the social media posts for this episode. Uh, but nonetheless, I went ahead and I pulled 20 of my uh, closest confidants uh, either somebody who's been on New Generation Declassified, uh, friends that are not associated with podcasting, just friends out in the real world. We still have those, don't we, out somewhere. And uh, a couple former WWE superstars that were big super fans growing up that who better to uh, kind of get an idea from as to uh, what maybe uh, was uh, something that was a go-to for them in terms of an influence. Because um, this generation, this new generation era, if you're around my age or in that... 38 to 39 age range. This is kind of your wheelhouse, the uh, new generation years. Although I still might think of myself as more of a uh, golden era, you know, 80s WWF fan. This was the one where, you know, you really started to realize things about the business uh, during this new generation era where, as we've run down for, gosh, well over a year, this was an interesting time uh, for sure. And uh, the three, two, one countdown we've got here. Maybe you uh, will be able to agree. Maybe you'll be able to disagree. But these uh, these people that I polled, I uh, would definitely say qualify as uh, as, as experts uh, when it comes to uh, their their opinion on pro wrestling. Uh, people that I would definitely love to chop it up with more, and uh, especially the ones that are outside of the podcasting world. You know, they're just your regular fan. So uh, we'll see what we've got here. A lot of the same thing. So this is how I pulled this. I'm not any uh, super analytical uh, person. There weren't many uh, averages uh, put together. But what I did was is I basically took in every single uh, different um, nomination and uh, just counted them out to see who exactly uh, won in terms of uh, the total. It's plain and simple. So we've got a top three that we'll touch on uh, as we move along. Uh, but we've got a bunch of other runners up that we'll go through as well and just kind of see uh, if everybody agrees to disagree here. Cause uh, I, I gotta be honest with you. I could really go either way. 
as it relates to uh, this countdown. You know, I could pick any one of these and think that they might be uh, qualifying as a number one. You know, I think that there definitely is an argument for each single solitary moment. And that is what I was really looking for. I was looking for moments. So there's a few things I want to kind of clarify that I'm not counting as a moment because it wasn't really presented to me in that manner and how I asked. So uh, most people, I, I didn't say give me X number of things. I said, what was it that you think is a top moment of the new generation? Not give me your top five, give me your top four, give me your top three. No, I just said, what's a top moment to you? Some people gave me one, some people gave me five. So it was uh, something that it really was a, a good little sampling. But I, I have to say, a lot of double ups, you know, for sure. A lot of, um, you know, a lot of repeats, but nonetheless, very satisfied with uh, what we've got to present to you today. I've uh, kind of narrowed it down, uh, but I want to start with the uh, the asterisk column that I have. And these are uh, things that were submitted to me as moments that I'm going to take out of the, uh, the conversation because I'm going to basically single out the moments to something having to do with the current program. Okay. And I'll preface this with each one. So like, uh, for instance, something that I've said many a times we have talked about ad nauseum, the Lex express. Now the Lex express is a memorable part of the new generation, but it's not necessarily a moment. Yokozuna losing uh, via countouts to Lex Luger and your Lex Luger celebrating at SummerSlam 93. That's a moment that actually did not even get nominated by anybody. Um, so they said people, I had three people say the Lex Express, but the Lex Express isn't a moment. The Lex Express is just the Lex Express. It's just what it was. It was a very interesting summer. Uh, again, I remember it very well. I remember hearing murmurs that the Lex Express was at the Monmouth Mall and the Molly Pitcher Inn in Red Bank, New Jersey, and being all excited for that, but never seeing it up close. Um, but it wasn't a moment. It just happened. It was just a thing. A moment really has to be encompassed in a match. Or I have another thing that's on this list that I will comment on that I do count as a moment but not necessarily having to do with a match. So we could say promos, uh, something memorable in a finish, you know, a title change. Those are the kinds of things that we classify in the moment category, not a thing, not a, not a full, you know, angle like Lex Express or, you know, or whatever you would call it, the, the, whatever the hell the Lex Express was. I'm not counting it as a moment because it was uh, a, a drawn out thing over many, many months. So Lex Express stays on the side. Now, how about this one? This, this got one submission, but I just thought this was interesting enough that somebody said it and I will not classify this as a full blown moment, but it's just something that impacted the company. And that's the departure of Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene to WCW. So in the grand scheme of things, huge loss to the WWF, uh, especially uh, Bobby Heenan, you know, on commentary, even though we would fill that gap with Jerry Lawler more frequently after Heenan left. And then later on, you'd see, you know, your Mr. Perfect slot in uh, Michael Hayes is Doc Hendricks got some time in there, but the departure of Bobby Heenan, and especially the fact that he went on to have such a lengthy run in WCW 
uh, that's a huge loss. Same goes for Mean Gene, the guy who is the prototypical perfect backstage interviewer, the guy who is the probable best ticket salesman in the history of professional wrestling, uh, considered to be a little more older in terms of what the WWF wanted to present. So Mean Gene was uh, ultimately uh, not renewed and went on his way to WCW. But I think that's kind of cool that this was submitted as a uh, as a moment, although it's not a moment. It's a, an impacting uh, part of the new generation, but not necessarily a moment. It wasn't a moment. Maybe on WCW. Now, if we were doing WCW's uh, countdown from this era, maybe we would, would say the debut of Bobby Heenan or the debut of Mean Gene. Be that what it is. Uh, nobody said the debut of Jim Ross. That was a pretty big one at uh, WrestleMania 9, but nobody said that. So it's not on this countdown. Uh, Bret Hart on The Simpsons got one uh, vote from a, a close friend of mine. This was somebody who is not affiliated in the wrestling podcast world. He's just the big Simpsons mark. And he said Bret Hart on The Simpsons. And if you remember that scene from uh, whichever episode it was, uh, <laughs> Bret Hart, not necessarily, uh, you know, the hitman. He's just some hulking, big, uh, jacked up guy that is dressed like Bret Hart and uh, buying Mr. Burns mansion when Mr. Burns uh, is going bankrupt. Um, so great, <laughs> great, funny Simpsons little cameo but not necessarily a new generation moment. It did spurn a great uh, WWF magazine cover of Brett back to back with Bart Simpson in full Bret Hart attire. So that's memorable for all you magazine collectors out there who uh, have that in pristine condition. I'm sure there's some people who still have it wrapped in the baggie. So it works out uh, very well, but nonetheless, mm, not a new generation moment. Uh, just a cool little uh, nugget for the new generation era. Uh, now, here's something we did a full episode on. And uh, I'm not surprised that the guy who was on the episode is the one who suggested this. But WrestleMania, the album. Now, not a moment. Something cool that came out of the new generation era. This is a moments countdown, folks. Mo How many times am I going to say it? Do you have I beaten it in yet? Moments. So WrestleMania, the album, although filled from top to bottom with very catchy, very memorable tunes. Not what I'm looking for in terms of this new generation countdown. Okay, so I, I have to apologize and, and decline WrestleMania, the album's inclusion on this uh, finely put together list. By your uh, your pal the chatster now this is another one that would make the list however it falls out of our jurisdiction and that is the montreal screw job now as you know new generation declassified takes off at the launch of the new generation which we have argued is it in uh november of 92 or is it in january of 93 we've also had somebody say it was july of 93 but it definitely ends, especially in this universe on this show, when the Raw sign goes away and the Titantron debuts and they go to the gritty Raw's War style. That's to me where the new generation era ends and the Montreal Screwjob happening later in that year in 1997, definitely falling out of our uh, jurisdiction. So although it probably would be the top number one if this was a uh, an all-encompassing 1997 countdown, we have to put the screw job on the outside looking in uh, for the matter of consistency and staying in our favorite little three, four year period. That was the new generation. 
Now, with that being said, uh, we can get to the countdown. We can get to uh, some of the honorable mentions that got some votes, but just not the top three because I was looking for uh, top three here. Uh, I can go through each one since uh, we're all sitting here together, if you'd like, and we can kind of touch on uh, every single one, one by one. Uh, again, some of these have had dedicated episodes, so we won't go full bore into the entire uh, detailed history, but uh, others, they definitely toggle a uh, <laughs> toggle a thought for a future episode uh, without a shadow of a doubt. So let's run down the list first. Uh, did not make the top three, but an episode where we did cover this. Uh, that is the Paul Bearer turn on The Undertaker. Now, this one, I got to say, even talking about this in previous episodes, did not see this one coming. I mean, who really could have telegraphed where that was actually going to go? Uh, this bitter feud The Undertaker had with mankind at SummerSlam coming to a head, as we thought. Uh, with, you know, if you look back, a curious st stipulation that um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the urn had to be handed over for you to win the match. Uh, not necessarily a typical Undertaker stipulation, but nonetheless, these matches that he had with Mankind all throughout the summer and into uh, the fall of 1996, just intense in terms of what The Undertaker had done up to that point. Uh, you know, you always think about The Undertaker pre-96 of just getting every big guy thrown at him. You know, your giant Gonzalez of the world, Yokozuna, you know, even though Yokozuna could work. It was just every big guy would just get paired with uh, The Undertaker basically between, you know, his first uh, huge run with Hogan uh, in 91 and pretty much after Jake leaves in 92. It's like from 92, Kamala, you know, and then uh, through Yokozuna and then into 1994, you know, you had your giant Gonzalez layover and then later, you know, King Mabel. He did not have the greatest pairings in terms of uh, matches, and they were very slow and methodical. Uh, but when Mankind hit the scene in June 96, and that uh, the first match that they had at the King of the Ring, just such a physical contest that this Boiler Room Brawl, which was really you thought was the blow-off to the feud, uh, no, completely out of left field. Paul Bearer turns on The Undertaker, starts to become a little bit more animated, and, you know, a little more uh, cartoony as a heel. Uh, as cartoony as a guy in a white face, uh, you know, pretending to be a dead uh, pallbearer um, could be. But nonetheless, see, maybe you see a little more elements of Percy Pringle coming out, the uh, more promos being done, more of a cooler uh, delivery by Paul Bear and promos, not just the uh, cliche, you know, um, death uh, uh, euphemisms and, and things he would say. So definitely didn't see that one coming. It absolutely belongs on this countdown because of its ramifications. And although we would see them reunite in the summer of 1997 briefly and that falls out of our jurisdiction but that is a very cool and ahead of its time storyline for the wwf where uh the conflicted undertaker learns that his brother is still alive and the uh secret being held over his head by paul bearer was wonderful i thought that was so perfectly done uh but falls out of our jurisdiction so we can't talk about it sorry folks that's the rule i made uh when i started this show uh this one had a couple of votes but i it's hard i'm i'm glad it didn't really hit the the top 3 because it didn't necessarily um take off until the end 
Um, and that was the, the Iron Man match with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. You know, they had matches throughout the new generation era, but nothing. The, the Iron Man match isn't really what I'm thinking of when I think of them, even though it was the defining championship moment of uh, Shawn Michaels. I don't like that match. I've said that many a times. It's it's not the greatest Iron Man match in the world. They've actually done Iron Man matches. And I, that was funny when we were doing house show results. You know, we did a Ric Flair, Bret Hart uh, uh, house show match that had like six finishes. This one is the one. It's the overtime super kick. I'm not a big fan of the match. I just did not like anything about it. Did not like WrestleMania 12. Uh, and although this did get a couple of votes, I would prefer their, their Survivor Series 1992 uh, match against uh, this one. Not not a fan. And then, of course, you know, like we said, the screw job being what it is, I think of more when I think of Sean and Brett, I think of the screw job. I don't think of the Iron Man match. I just think the Iron Man match is not good. So it's not something that I want to uh, remember. So I do not. Now, here's another Bret Hart that makes the list. And it's Bret Hart beats Ric Flair. This one had four votes. But is this technically in the new generation? We have debated this since the first episode. It's in October 1992. Bret Hart beats uh, Ric Flair in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan at a TV taping. It was broadcasted on Coliseum Video. It wasn't a huge publicized uh, you know, championship bout. It was just on a show. Ric Flair was injured. They knew he wasn't going to resign. They flipped the title to Bret leading to the Shawn Michaels uh, match at Survivor Series that I just mentioned at the uh, Richfield Coliseum. But um, Bret Hart beats Ric Flair for the world title. Does this count? That could be a great revisionist episode. It's something that I think could be absolutely debated still, even uh, over a year later. Um, I can say possibly because I would identify Bret as the champion of the new generation, but I still just have to put this on the outside looking in, but it had enough votes where, all right, I keep this as the moment. Bret Hart wins his first world title. It's an argument. Is it in? Is it out? We'll just say it's in for the time being because, you know, it's Bret Hart's first title win. And it's and it, it's in a time where he's identified perfectly with, even when I went through the Coliseum video rundown on Peacock a couple weeks back. I mean, that match is all over a few of the tapes. It, I guess it has to stay here. Although the time frame does uh, need a, a definite revamping um, discussion uh, here on New Generation Declassified, but uh, Bret Hart and Ric Flair get a, gets a couple of votes, so it's here. It's not necessarily something I'm thrilled about, but nonetheless, what am I going to do? Uh, how about this one? We'll stay with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels versus Diesel from WrestleMania 11 got a couple of votes. Now, this is not a match that I per personally love either, but they had a great feud. They definitely had a memorable uh, run as the, as the two dudes with attitudes and the team before. Uh, that match was probably the best match on WrestleMania 11, not the main event, very, very notoriously. But uh, nonetheless, people liked the match. It was a great show. And if you're a Shawn Michaels fan, he definitely uh, took over and did very, very well in that match. But I also really liked uh, Kevin Nash and what he did in that match. But I don't think that's as, uh, as played up as uh, Shawn Michaels' performance. I would have liked to have seen maybe uh, somebody nominate the, uh, the two dudes with attitudes exploding at Good Friends Better Enemies, the, uh, the match which would prove to be uh, Diesel's last uh, pay-per-view match up until the NWO came back in 2002. 
with the great uh, uh, leg being ripped off of uh, one of the Vashans. I always forget which one it was, but nonetheless, that's a great moment. But no, they did not make it. Uh, and it's uh, unfortunately on the outside looking in. Um, it's the uh, WrestleMania 11 match, not the good friends, better enemies. So be that as it may, uh, here's another one for you that, could have definitely, if, if a few votes went the other direction or, or weren't mentioned, The Undertaker versus Undertaker. SummerSlam 1994, main event. Getting some love here on this countdown. I uh, I like it. You know, looking back, it was entertaining. The whole summer of build for The uh, the Undertaker uh, battling the, say it with me, folks, as I hate to say it, Under Faker. Can't stand that. Uh, but nonetheless... What are you going to do? This was built up all summer. Had the Leslie Nielsen inclusion was the opening of the uh, United Center in Chicago in uh, Mike Durbin territory. And it was uh, something that, you know, we definitely remember as the changing of the guard in terms of the Undertaker's look. He went from the gray to the purple. They went from the small uh, urn to the big urn. And, um, you know, that whole summer of uh, the you know, the million dollar man and the fake undertaker. It was cool. It was definitely cool. Uh, I'm glad it got, it got to make it here. Cause it's definitely something that you remember. I mean, that cover of, of the video and the poster of the two glass shattering pieces with each side, having an undertaker image in it, you know, brilliant for the time. Uh, absolutely love that. And, uh, glad to see it here. And being that it is SummerSlam time, absolutely worth a, uh, a look back. For sure, uh, because it's one of those uh, unforgettable moments, especially the also the debut of the newer Undertaker music compared to just the original Funeral March that he had used for the first couple of years. Uh, really the first transformation of the Undertaker at SummerSlam 94. How about this one? Hulk Hogan wins the WWF title at WrestleMania 9. Memorable moment, absolutely. Uh, declared as the happy days are here again by Vince McMahon. Did it translate? No, it did not. It was not the more of uh, the the I guess uh, accentuated and uh, you know as <laughs> huge and monumental uh, Hulk Hogan title runs, but nonetheless uh, a great moment you didn't see coming. He comes to the aid of Bret Hart. He gets the uh, the salt uh, almost thrown in his eyes. He ducks. Yokozuna gets hit with it. Knocks down Mr. Fuji, leg drop, one, two, three. The Hulkster wins the world title uh, later on in the evening uh, after he had already lost the tag title match uh, with the, one of the stupidest finishes in the history of Hulk Hogan, <laughs> where Jimmy Hart uh, reverses his jacket to have zebra stripes so he could count the pin as the uh, referee was down. The, the dumbest, dumbest thing that they could have ever possibly done for Hulk Hogan, but... I guess they redeem themselves in the eyes of the Hulkamaniacs as the Hulkster holds that world title over his head. Again, another iconic WWF magazine cover of the Hulkster holding the belt over his head while the, uh, the, the pay-per-view is going off the air and just a great, great shot for the cover of WWF magazine. Um, Cause who doesn't love them? Some Hulk Hogan, especially mangled face Hulk Hogan. Now, which, theory do you believe do you think it was a jet ski accident did the macho man uh, give him one uh, big shiner we don't know well maybe we'll never know the full story but nonetheless um the hulkster wins the world title at wrestlemania 9 beats yokozuna 
And as Vince McMahon declared, happy days were there again, albeit for three months until Hogan loses to Yokozuna, which did not make the countdown. So uh, sorry to say that. I, I King of the Ring 93 is an interesting show. If you watch it back, it's not going to beat you over the head with great match after great match. There's a few. We talked about this a few months back. But it, in terms of just it being a fun show, this is just if you're a fan and you want to watch old school wrestling, a King of the Ring 93 is harmless. You know, you got JR and I think uh, Randy Savage on the commentary. You know, you have uh, Bret Hart and, and Mr. Perfect. You have the Bret Bam Bam final. You have a couple other mid-card matches. I mean, it is... It's serviceable, but you get the uh, the end of Hulkamania as the Hulkster loses to Yokozuna um, with another screwy finish, the flash bulb uh, exploding in Hulkster's face. You know, what are you going to do? They can't all be winners. It was it wasn't the early 90s where everything they touched turned to gold. They were throwing the, uh, the the proverbial shit at the wall to see if it would stick. And in some cases, it just slid all the way down to the bottom. Uh, but nonetheless, Hulk Hogan wins the world title at WrestleMania nine makes the list. Now this one, and I know who sent this one in, this one only got one vote. I, if I was counting my own votes, I would have said this was definitely two. uh, Marty Jannetty returns at Monday night raw to defeat Shawn Michaels for the intercontinental championship. Damn it. Who doesn't love them? Some Marty Jannetty and who doesn't love Marty Jannetty winning the intercontinental championship, uh, Monday night raw out of the freaking blue where he comes out with the hood on, uh, takes the hood and the glasses off, and uh, just, just, just a magical moment where he finally gets the big win over Shawn Michaels. Uh, this was a few months after they had their match at the Royal Rumble, which didn't deliver in the manner that they were hoping. Uh, it is very, very documented that they had better matches on the house show loop leading up to the Royal Rumble. And the Royal Rumble match, not as good as it should have been. I think that there was some issues leading into it that night that just, uh, you know, again, Marty Jannetty never really catching a fair shake and, and his timing being what it was. Um, not, not long with the company after that match, but comes back uh, on an early Monday Night Raw and defeats Shawn Michaels, uh, wins the Intercontinental Championship. A great assist by uh, Mr. Perfect. And just an absolutely uh, wonderful, wonderful Monday Night Raw moment. Again, I'd vote for it. Hell, I'd even just mock the numbers and I'd put it number one because I think it's that good. Uh, now, I just was ironically listening to a, an old Shawn Michaels shoot interview from the early 2000s where he said uh, he was not aware they were even bringing Marty back for this. Uh, but he did like the idea and he, he would end up getting the belt back and it would actually be the debut of Diesel um, or one of the first appearances of Diesel when uh, he won the world title, uh, the Intercontinental title back from Marty Jannetty. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, you think about those early raw moments, that's got to be up there at the top just because uh, it, it was so unexpected. But in terms of the whole new generation spectrum, it doesn't crack the top three, although I put it in there, but I'm just a Marty Jannetty mark and I will have obviously admit that all day long i'm biased to uh mj so it's uh it's one of those things it's there and we will uh let it sit there although uh how come a couple more people didn't vote for it that's uh bullshit all right moving on um definitely has uh impacting ramifications here now it didn't happen in a match but this moment uh absolutely changed the course of pro wrestling history and that is the curtain call at Madison Square Garden in uh, May of 1996 
as we all know by now, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, the bad guy Razor Ramon, departing the World Wrestling Federation to head to WCW, their final night in the company at the house that McMahon built, Madison Square Garden, and uh, breaking all kinds of kayfabe, the members of the clique to include world champion Shawn Michaels and up-and-coming bad guy, one Hunter Hearst Helmsley, uh, come out to the ring to send off their buddies. They all hit the uh, top of the cage after the match is over, do the old click uh, wolf pack, uh, you know, too sweet. And, uh, you know, the rest they say is history. If it wasn't for the one uh, random bootlegger in this, in the stands that uh, apparently we have no problem with bootlegging now used to back in the day, uh, have a lot of rules against that, but WWE embraces it and, uh, you know, bought the footage from the guy. Uh, but they, uh, the, the track of audio of the fans, uh, listening or you, when you listen to it are going ape shit and it's very cool to see. It's a great moment. You know, if you're a purist, you don't like it because it's the, uh, the click shitting on the legacy of the McMahons at Madison square garden, which is a huge no, no. Uh, but nonetheless, curtain call makes the list. I completely agree. It is a great, uh, great, absolutely business changing moment. And, um, what can you say? It was uh, it was something that how the hell was that not on TV? You know, it was just a house show, but we weren't so gracious. Uh, we weren't so uh, uh, blessed to have WWF house shows being televised at that point. They stopped doing it in 92. Wish that they had done it during that era. Those uh, shows are lost to time and those that were in attendance. So uh, good for them. Bad for us. Moving on. Uh, the debut of Monday Night Raw. I'm going to include it because it is a moment and it has uh, absolutely spawned God, almost 30 years of television. So, um, you know, if you think back to Bobby Heenan trying to get into the building, you know, the matches weren't unbelievable. Your main event, uh, you know, Damian Demento and The Undertaker, not necessarily uh, one that we're going to, um, you know, isolate in time, but just the launch of the show, a huge moment for the history of wrestling, history of WWE, history for uh, wrestling on Monday nights changing because guess what i mean and i don't know how many people ever really think about this wwf used to run madison square garden on monday nights you know that was the time to go see those shows and the fact that they were doing monday night raw for them it was just a regular part of the schedule it just so happened it was being televised you know those garden shows on those monday nights were a big freaking deal for a very very long time and uh you know i always thought it was kind of funny that you know, you get the, um, the the ironic thing that they're taking over a venue in Manhattan every single week when they would take over another venue in Manhattan nearly uh, every month. And that was uh, Madison Square Garden, just a couple blocks away from where the Manhattan Center is located in uh, New York City. So got to put the debut of Monday Night Raw up there. It doesn't crack the top three, but nonetheless, it's there and uh, it absolutely belongs there. And another one, I'm not going to beat it to death. We've talked about it two million times. Tatanka versus Lex Luger, SummerSlam 94, the shocker of all shockers. We didn't see it coming. Please reference every episode about Lex Luger and the episode about that match in the new generation back catalog. You won't be disappointed. Trust me, your pal, the Chatster, would never uh, steer you wrong. That's like the third time I've said that today, too. So scratch that from the record. Now on to the top three, starting with number three, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. WrestleMania 10. Now I wrote down that this feud goes from Survivor Series 1993 basically to SummerSlam 94 to pick up again at random times throughout the rest of the new generation. But that match itself 
documented as one of the greatest openers in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, Owen getting the huge win over Brett at Madison Square Garden in a night where Brett would later win the world title from Yokozuna. But just this match is so well put together. And you think about all the times these guys probably went ahead and, and worked this match out or they ended up doing this in some way, shape or form and knowing exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, just that floating pin at the end uh, where Owen reverses it and gets the cover. It's such a great victory uh, that, that you, even as, as a bad guy, you cheer for him because you knew it was like, wow, he really needed to beat Brett. And in terms of the story, he would never attain it again. He would do everything he could to defeat his brother again, this time when it counted with the title on the line. And and that's uh, SummerSlam 94 cage match again. Just talking about it a few minutes ago with The Undertaker. And Undertaker, if, you, if you're looking to be nostalgic and watch old SummerSlams, check out 94. I mean, the crowd is great. The venue is beautiful. The matches are, are very good for the most part. And uh, even though this is a little long for the cage match, I love the cage match, but Bret Hart, Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10 cracks the top three. (laughs) Getting to number two, we stay at WrestleMania 10. And this was like, uh, you know, I'm sure not a, a shocker. The ladder match. WrestleMania 10, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. Uh, The story going into it. Who was the real Intercontinental Champion? Shawn Michaels had been suspended for things, uh, maybe steroids, maybe a case that was being, uh, you know, prosecuted at the time um, against him, uh, depending on who you want to uh, believe. But uh, Shawn Michaels comes back with the Intercontinental Championship while Razor Ramon had just won a battle royal to become an Intercontinental Champion. And the two of them uh, basically uh, both parading around the belts. Who was the real Intercontinental Champion? Both belts hanging from the the clip at Madison Square Garden, uh, hanging in the rafters there, the ladder to get it. Stuff we had never seen on pay-per-view before. Uh, is it the best ladder match of all time? Possibly. Uh, people have said it's Shawn Michaels re- wrestling the ladder for 20 minutes. Mm, maybe. I think Razor Ramon had a lot to do with that, too. But just in terms of its historical historical ramifications, it is a masterpiece. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those style of matches, but this is one I would watch, you know, 10 times out of 10. It's just, uh, it's a great look back at where the business was and how innovative it was to have that on pay-per-view at the time. Something we had never seen before. Uh, I love it. Uh, not, you know, I'm not up at the top of the roof uh, screaming how much I love it, but I just I would love to go back and watch it uh, during the WrestleMania season just because uh, that WrestleMania 10 show, you know, two iconic matches like that. And don't forget, it's also Macho Man's final curtain at Madison Square Garden uh, Garden getting a big uh, match against Crush, even though it's not the best match it's still on there. Uh, but yeah, that's number two. And number one, if you didn't figure it out by now, this was on 14 submissions. Uh, of how I went about and asking people for this, um, uh, their, their, their pieces, their, their data, whatever, this independent research that I did to obtain these, uh, these thoughts, the one, two, three kid defeats razor Ramon, May 17th, 1993, uh, the match that put Sean Waltman on the map, the match that made the one, two, three kid, a household name, the match uh, that ended up turning Razor Ramon babyface and uh, so much in between to show you anything could happen 
on Monday Night Raw. Same the same thought as the Marty Jannetty uh, Intercontinental title win, but this one was formerly known as the Lightning Kid gets beat, you know, every week. Great showing, very athletic. Again, doing stuff we had never seen before. Uh, who would have thought this moonsault that was very rarely seen would have uh, taken out Razor Ramon? Uh, you go back and listen to the commentary. You go back and watch the reactions of the fans. It is an unbelievable freaking moment. Uh, to include then later, a few weeks after that, they did a ten thousand uh, dollar, you know, in a in a <laughs> Razor Ramon holding a bag of money, you know, which of course had ten thousand dollars in it without a doubt. And uh, one, two, three kid knocking himself out during that match and basically being unconscious for the end of it and not really knowing where he was going and having to run through the uh, the arena there, the, uh, the Mid Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, uh, you know, basically uh, foggy brained and uh, not realizing when he had to take off and really jet past the uh, charging razor. But the, uh, the the match, the May 17th, 93 match from the Manhattan Center, again, just that venue, the crowd, the commentary, the shock, this thing that everybody sees when they close their eyes, they think one, two, three kids, that moonsault coming off the top, knocking Razor in the head. And uh, really, the rest, they say, is history. You know, one funny little tidbit is that uh, Sean Waltman, you know, says nobody uh, could give him a straight answer on who came up with the name, the one, two, three kid, because he was not a big fan of it, but everybody took credit for it. Different guys inside the, uh, the brain trust took credit for that one, two, three kid uh, name. Was it Pat Patterson? You know, was it more, uh, was it Vince? Was it Howard Finkel? Who was it that said it was one, two, three kid, uh, a name that, you know, look, <laughs> it might not be the most fearsome name in the world, especially when he turned heel, uh, in 1995, not really uh, striking much fear in the hearts of the uh, the baby faces, but nonetheless, the one two three kid, um, just such a standout athlete in this time. And, and you even think about what he would do with the uh, the match with Bret Hart again. This is why I, th- I th- just this countdown alone is uh, making me think of other episodes. But the the match with Bret Hart that he says was the best match of his career, uh, kid. I'm talking about. Uh, it's a masterpiece, uh, something that can hold up today and you can put it on Monday Night Raw live in the main event spot and people would still be interested in it because it is that well done. And with that, I say that the one, two, three kid defeats Razor Ramon and the world of new generation declassified is the top new generation moment. Uh, if you didn't see through the title of this episode already, the three, two, one countdown. Come on, get it? It's one, two, three. People, don't be, don't sleep on the chats here. Sometimes my creativity is uh, is astounding me as I sit here and do this alone um, yet again here for a uh, third consecutive week. I know you're probably tired of hearing me, but we shall see what I have up my sleeve for the next installment of New Generation Declassified. Uh, again, you're listening to us here on the TMPT Empire. If you want more from the TMPT Empire. Just stay tuned to this feed. You got many a podcast that you will enjoy. Uh, check us out on the Russo brand, the Realm Network, the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise, Shane Douglas, John Paz, and myself. Uh, every week doing it the franchise's way, and that is 100% un, uh, <laughs> unadulterated franchise, uh, uncensored, uncooked, and unbelievable. Uh, what comes out of his mouth every single week on the triple threat podcast. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter. It's at IB exclusives on Instagram. My website is IB exclusives.com. 
And uh, you'll find everything I've got going on in my uh, sports memorabilia business going on on that site. And you can also check me out on Eyes Up Here with the Queen of Extreme Francine on Patreon, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast. Four brand new episodes per week hitting Patreon. Uh, A lot of fun going on there. You never know what we're going to talk about with the Queen of Extreme as well. Uh, Hey, we should get uh, her choice for what she thinks is the top uh, new generation moment. She was there for a couple Monday Night Raws. She saw it live in living color. So maybe uh, we can get on the queen. She could tell us about her time at Monday Night Raw and uh, everything in between in that new generation era. A nice, fun look back. Hey, let me know what are your top new generation moments. Drop them in the uh, the comments below and uh, love to hear what you've got to say. So uh, for my uh, glorious contributors, I thank you very, very much. This is your old buddy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.